Welcome to the God Life with Pastor Dolapo Lawal, the lead pastor of the Zoe household. His desire is to bring you to the consciousness of the Zoe life that has been made available to everyone who believes in the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen and be equipped. Thank you for everybody that has joined. Thank you for the word and thank you for we're going to be tremendously blessed and changed in Jesus mighty name we pray amen glory 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 awesome okay. awesome yeah so very very simple one a very light a very light message you know um but pay attention um, there is a way that you know, in the in the kingdom of God, there are some things that everything that we learn, especially in the Zoe household, everything we learn is very very important, right? If it wasn't important, we won't be learning about it. And then um, all that we're learning is for our forerunners in the knowledge of Jesus. That's all we are learning about, how to know the Lord more, because we already understand that the more we know him is the more we know, know ourselves. The, 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 the revelation, hey, see my friend, Dami, the revelation of God, Dami, it's good to see your face. The revelation of God, the revelation of God is absolutely progressive. And at the same time, it's not like maybe there are some dimensions of God that God is adding, you know, like God is improving. That's not what is happening. What we call a move of God is not what God is doing. It's what men are doing in God in a season. So I say, ah, there's a move of God for salvation. God didn't just start saving men. God has always been saving men, but men are coming to the awareness of that working of God in that generation or in that season. So when we say a move of God, have you heard people say this, God is doing a new thing. God is always doing a new thing. We just have to plug into what God is doing. If God is going to be doing old things, it's because we are doing old things. That's why God will say, behold, I do a new thing. So we have to behold it and then we can make all this happen. I said all these stories to say this, that there is a way that we can prioritize um, messages as regards to the forerunners of our faith. And I believe that what we want to share today, even though it is very simple and basic, it is one of the most important things to God. Because what the Bible is about is how God started a family. The family became dysfunctional. And then there was a reunification of that family. That's the entirety of the Bible. It's about the family of God, a, a monarch, having children, sending them to um, expand the civilization or to, to expand the frontiers of your civilization to, to another place and then to make sure that um, what he does, they see him do it and then they also do it in the new place that they just conquered. So everything about the Bible is about the rulership of God. And it's about God's family. Listen, when you take an account of how many people the Bible records that lived, 
you would think that history of 6,000 years is just about 10 million people, but that's not true. The Bible actually records people that play a pivotal role to the agenda of God. So the Bible is not recording all mankind. No, that's not what the Bible does. That's why sometimes some people have some questions like, okay, are you saying that um, Abraham, this, mm -mm, they were other people. Did you notice that the Bible only talks about Ishmael once and afterwards moved on? That was because Ishmael did not plug into the agenda. So the Bible is not just an historic book of mankind, but it talks about people that were specific in the agenda of God, which means God is a family man. You have to see it that way. The first time that God revealed himself to mankind, he revealed himself coming into time. He revealed himself as a creator. And then he called himself Elohim. And I've explained that to us before. It is, if he had said Eloha, that means he's talking about a singular God. But Elohim refers to the fact that God actually describes himself as a community. God doesn't want you to just know him as one deity. God wants you to know him as father, son, and spirit. That revelation is a typical revelation that the Lord wants you to have as his child. Adam was the first son of God. That family became dysfunctional. And then everything that you find in the Bible is how God will bring back his children that left the house, how they can come back to him. God waited for them, waited for them. There was nothing. So he came for his family and decided to move the home from heaven to earth. Listen, you didn't hear what I said. If you did, you can't, you can't remain the same. God moved their home from heaven. Since people in heaven will not come, then let heaven now come to earth. So what did God do? The last time I had my son separate from me, the devil came and told him some things that is not part of our family. So this is what I would do. I will make sure that the next children that I have that will come to me, I will not make them separate from me. I will put them in me and put myself in them. But adventure, they want to leave me. I won't leave them. And so you have to start to see the Bible that way. The Bible is referring to a family. What the scripture is about is a family. If there is anything that is important to God, I think this is very, very important. And so when we start to talk about family living is, as, a, as a message, some people want to assume that they know, but no, you have to pay attention because these things are actually instructions in righteousness. See, there is no matter how skillful you are as my, as my employee. By the time I notice that you don't like my children, you are already putting an entrance to intimacy between me and you. So many people want, to, want God to use them, but they don't like God's people. You're already missing the point. Listen, if you don't like people, there is nothing God can use you to do because what God wants to use you to do is for people. So to not like, listen, if I'm married, right, and you don't like my wife, you have cobbed and terminated a level of intimacy. You can't come to my, my house anyhow. 
So to not like God's people is already putting a barrier to intimacy with God. This will mean that, listen, I don't know if ah, so most of you have not born, so you can't understand what I'm saying. If you have a friend that loves your child, that is kind to your, 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 your child, there is, it's just likely that you like that friend. Your friend is taking care of your child. It's just very likely that you're going to really like that friend. Am I correct? And so what we're sharing about tonight is very, 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 very important. Amen. So let's go. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. Ephesians chapter 3, we'll read 14 to 15. It says, for this cause, I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. So it is important to understand that God's family is a family of love. There is unity in God's family. There is unity. There is a synergy between heaven and earth. See, look at what it says. It says, for this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. So listen, friends, you have earthly family, you know, Itunu is here, Linda is here, you guys are, you guys are my siblings, right? But guess what? We also have heavenly siblings. David is one of them. Hey, Moses is one of them. We have brothers in heaven right now. So our family, I don't know, I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. This is so personal to me. Our families influence extends to the spirit realm. Listen, this will make you know that, and this is why you have to remove the mindset that demons can arrest you, demons can do stuff, because guess what? They have to do it in the spirit realm. If our siblings, our elder brothers that have died and have gone ahead of us, if they are too careless and too carefree to not want to defend us, not our father. And so it's so important to grasp that, that we have family members in heaven and here on earth. The influence of our family extends to heaven and to earth. Praise God. Another thing that is important is, listen, I, you need to pay attention. This message today is very personal to me. You have to pay attention. It is important to understand that God's family is a family of love. The love of God is not a feeling. The love of God is a decision. God is spirit, so he doesn't have feelings. You have to understand that. Everything that God does, he has decided to do. And guess what? God is not bipolar. When God told you yesterday that I love you and you made a mistake today, remember that he's out of time. He saw what you were going to do today when he said it yesterday and still decided to say it. God's love for us is a decision. 
God has decided to love us with an everlasting love. He thought about it and he concluded that he was going to love us. And so it's important to understand that in the family of God, our love is a decision. All the things that you have done, Jesus has not said, I don't like you anymore. And so you are not permitted to say that as well. You can't stop liking people. It's not allowed. Listen, when you start to, and I think it's important to understand this, when you start to have resentment towards a family member, listen, it's an attack on the hegemony of our family. You have to see it that way. The enemy, we are giving the enemy access to penetrate into our family. There is something called God's HR. Many people don't understand this thing. There is a way you will talk about God. An unbeliever will be wondering that, why should I give my life to Christ? Have you ever seen, I want to ask you a question. Think about this thing. Have you ever seen a secret court where they came out on social media and started abusing themselves? Members of a secret court. Ah, in our courts, they are not even loving at all. I've never seen it before. Are you saying that secret courts don't have issues? They do, but listen, Christians are the only people that kill wounded soldiers. We just have a mechanism to judge and judge and judge and destroy people. Unknowing to us, we're destroying ourselves. Listen, the reason why people will not buy Panadol is not because Panadol doesn't work. It's actually because people have testified that Panadol doesn't work. Let me say that again. The reason why, don't let me say Panadol, some of you might not understand what I'm saying. The reason why people will not buy Telenor is not because Telenor doesn't work. It's actually because people have said that Telenor doesn't work. It is testimony that destroys marketing strategy. Listen, if you are not evangelizing and you are now talking bad about a Christian, you are doing an evangelism. It's just a bad one. Listen, how can you be comfortable to talk about your church matter with somebody that is not in your church? Now, to make it worse, somebody that is not a Christian, then you want to now share a flyer and tell them to join. How does that make it? Christians are the only people that make a point by shooting themselves on the leg. It's so bad, you will go and meet a pastor and tell him something secretly. But on Sunday, your matter will be the topic. We just all of a sudden become so insensitive. We have to see the body of Christ as a family of love. First Corinthians 13 verse 1. First Corinthians 13 verse 1. We're going to read from verse 1 to verse 3. It says, though I speak with tongues, ah, because I was seeing your face, I can't see your face again. Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, and I have not love, I am become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal, right? It says, and though I have the gift of prophecy, hey, hey, now we're talking, do I have 
the gift of prophecy, by the way, when it says tongues of men and angels, it's an exaggeration. It doesn't mean that there are tongues of men and there are tongues of angels. That's not what it means. He was just exaggerating. It's, it's an hyperbolical statement. And have no charity, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Then he says in verse two, and if I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and I have all faith so that I could move mountains and have not charity, he says, I am nothing. Imagine that all faith, that means I can heal anything. I can heal healing self. He says, I'm nothing if I have not love. He says, and do I bestow all my goods? Now this is the one that is weird to me. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor. So you see, love is more than welfareism or humanitarianism. Love is more than that. It says, if I give everything I have to the poor and I give my body to be burned and I have no charity, it profited me nothing. So there are acts of kindness that are not acts of love. That's what the Bible is saying. Because God is not particular about what you're doing. God is particular about the motive, the reason why you're doing what you're doing. Some people are so uncomfortable to give you something and they feel very weird that you did not post them on Instagram to say thank you. That's not an expression of love. You are looking for PR. You don't need to feed the poor and then let them camera it and then now put it on your page so that people can comment and say, ah, well done, good job. Sometimes you can be doing it because you now like or enjoy the comments. It's not necessary that when somebody does, or when you do a favor for somebody, they should say, thank you. You say, ah, ah, courtesy demands that they should say thank you. It's true. But spiritual courtesy also demands that thank you should not matter to you. Some people get offended because they don't get gratification for actions that they've done. Listen, remember, listen, spiritual growth is in character development. You add self-control, you add this understanding, these decisions, you add them to your faith. If I was talking about one mystery now, you will love it. But listen, sometimes the most powerful things are things that you know. But the issue is that you have so commonized it that you can't put it within. There is a way somebody will be hearing what I'm saying now. You will be saying, mm, but he doesn't understand. Listen, most of the time, that mm, don't just say mm. You have to let it enter inside and then see yourself. The word of God is a mirror. As the word of God is being preached, you put your life side by side and examine yourself because your life is supposed to conform. Let me tell you something. Did you notice something about Jesus? On that cross, he never said, hey guys, what people are doing to me is very bad and I'm dying for you. He just kept quiet. Listen, when they picked Barabbas over Jesus, Jesus didn't say ungrateful people. Jesus never made any complaint. Instead, he prayed for them. Listen, this is the major reason why some of us cannot do like Jesus, because we can't be like Jesus. When Jesus was raising the dead and healing the sick, Jesus wasn't doing those things to express power. The power of God is beyond that. Listen, 
If miracle signs and wonders is the premise to know God's power, it means that God is powerless in heaven. Let me say that again. If miracle signs and wonders are the premise to know God's power, it means that God is powerless in heaven because miracle signs and wonders don't happen in heaven. So God's power has to be more than miracle signs and wonders. God's power is expressed. Listen to this. God's power is expressed in the realities of the fruit of the spirit. Listen, guys, God is really good. The devil sinned, an everlasting sin, but still has access to God. God is good. God actually tolerates. Listen, God loves us so much. I don't know how to explain this that you, let, let me, oh, Sebra Now, you guys follow me. Oh, how do I say this? So you can understand what it means. Some of us think that when we lose loved ones, it, it hurts us so much and God cannot understand. Let me show you something. Um, let's read. Genesis 27, 37, verse, verse 29. Genesis 37, verse 29. Can somebody read for us? I want somebody to read for us. Maybe um, Dimfna and Simi. I can see you guys. Dimfna and Simi. Yeah. Genesis 37, verse 29. You need to catch what I want to say quickly. Just keep right. reading down. Keep reading down at just verse 29. Just 29. Then Reuben returned to the pit, and indeed Joseph was not in the pit, and he tore his... Oh, 29, right? Yes. Oh, <laughs> and he tore his clothes. All right, beautiful. So when Reuben returned from Satan and saw that Joseph was not there, he tore his clothes. A short time later... Jacob tore his clothes, put on sackcloth, and mourned for his son. Genesis 37, verse 39. Um, when Saul and Jonathan were killed, Psalm 1, 11 to 12, David also tore his clothes. Elisha, when Elijah was taken up in, into the heavens, 2 Kings 2, 11, verse 12, he tore his clothes. Job, when he had when he had lost all his possessions and his children, tore his clothes. Job chapter 1, verse 20. And I can go on. Judges 11, 34, verse 35. I did this study this week and I was so amazed. First Kings 21, 27. Acts 14, verse 14. So what we see is that people tear their clothes when they mourn. Listen, God is joy, but I found somewhere in the Bible that amazed me. Every time somebody died that really hurt somebody in the Bible, the attitude or the character was to tear your clothes. Guess what? Mm. When Jesus died, yeah. the Bible says the cotton that covered the holies of holies was torn from up to bottom. The death of Jesus actually made God tear his clothes. Listen, <laughs> you have to understand this. The sacrifice of Jesus is deeper than what you think. 
it actually hurt God. But he prioritized his love for us. Listen, God is joy, but he actually mourned. Imagine the almighty God in heaven, he tore his shirt and said, oh no, my son just died. And so when we lose loved ones, you have to understand this, it hurts God as well. Because this is a family, we are his children. Somebody said, why can't God just wipe them away? So I asked him a simple question. I said, evil people are everywhere. Why can't God kill them? I said, if you have two sons and one is very bad and one is very good, will you kill the bad one? Then he, he paused. I said, no answer. Will you kill the bad one? He said, I know where you're going. I said, no, 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 you need to answer. Will you kill the bad one? He said, no. I said, why? He said, because he's my son. I said, listen. Love doesn't give up. The reason why there are so many bad people around is because they are God's children and he has not given up on them. You don't kill your son because he's bad. You hope that he changes. So the Bible says he doesn't want the death of a sinner, but he wants their repentance. God is actually a family man. So God would rather have that good man die because he's dying as a just man to come and be with him than to have the bad one die because he's going to hell and will be separated from him. The tragedy in death is not death, it's the destination called hell. For a believer, death is not a tragedy, it's a vehicle into abundance. So Paul says, if I do all these good things and I give myself to be burnt, he says, but I have not love. He said, I have done nothing. So what's the Bible saying? What is God telling us? God is telling us that what you see is not as important as what you thought. Some people will greet you, but they will not really greet you. God said you didn't even greet, even though your mouth moved. And let me tell you something, when you hear messages like this, it's a product of God's mercy to correct your heart. Because spiritual growth is in character development. I'm telling you the truth. You can't grow in the gifts of the spirit because they are gifts. And guess what? Speaking in tongues is a gift of the spirit. God doesn't give you more speaking in tongues. And so in spiritual gifts, you can't grow in spiritual gifts. You can grow in knowledge to use spiritual gifts, but you don't grow in spiritual gifts. So when we talk about spiritual growth, what are we talking about? The capacity for you to yield to the nature of God to suppress your flesh. That's what is called spiritual growth. When we say I'm growing spiritually, it means I am changing my mind for God's mind. Look at this, Romans 12 verse 2. He says, do not conform to this word, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may be able to prove what is the acceptable. So what, is, what, what does God mean? That you may be able to prove what is the acceptable and perfect will of God. God is saying this, that you get to allow and disallow what will happen on earth. But guess what? 
my will cannot take place if you don't permit my will. So if we want to see the move of God, we must allow God move in us for him to move through us. If you don't have compassion for the sick, forget about the healing gifts. And guess what? If you heal, you don't do it God's way. Paradventure you do, you don't do it God's way. That work was nothing. Are you understanding what I'm saying? So when we're speaking about spiritual growth, some people say, ah, I, I'm growing spiritually because I cannot prophesy. No. In the, in the prophetic, you can be a prophet. There's something called the spirit of prophecy. There is something called the gift of prophecy. You can prophesy without being a prophet. It's an office. And you can, the gift of prophet, the spirit of prophecy can just be in the, in the atmosphere and then you begin to prophesy. It was not your prayer life that got you that. And so you can be working miracles and at the same time you are not growing spiritually. Because true spiritual growth is conforming to the image of his son. That when they put you side by side with Jesus, you will say and echo what Jesus would have said. Would Jesus give somebody a piece of his mind? Jesus that gave you all of his heart, will he give you a piece of his mind? Some people will glory that if I tell you something now, if I abuse you, you will go and commit suicide. And they're happy. Do you know that I have seen somebody fighting that somebody insulted them and they, were, they said that same insult. And I wondered why they were fighting. I was in a bus. This was about seven or eight years ago in Lagos. And the conductor wanted to collect money. So the conductor actually was saying it. 500, no change. He said this thing, said it, said it, said it. You know, this woman entered. 500, no change. How much is the boss? 14 era. 500, no change. This guy was shouting this thing. So it was time to pay. As the guy saw the 500 like this, the guy just, ah, what was I telling you? I said 500, no change. You be in I said it in Yoruba, but I interpret. He said, "All this mad, you behave like a mad woman." Everybody in the bus now gave the woman ginger. Even me too. I said, "Ah, like <laughs> ah." The woman said, "The woman said, this is Yoruba." Say, driver, stop this bus! Stop this bus! You called me a mad woman. You called me a mad woman. You called me a mad woman. She, I will show you what man. I'm mad. I'm mad. I will show you what madness is. And I said, ah. So I said, why are we fighting? He called you mad. You're declaring that you're mad. You are angry that somebody told you who you just confirmed that you are. How does that make any sense? Why are we stopping the books? I'm rushing. See, sometimes we don't understand that. Listen. Let, let, let me put it like this. Did you notice that when Jesus wanted to calm the, the, the sea, the storms, did you notice what Jesus said? He said, peace be still. Am I correct? What was Jesus doing before he said, peace be still? He was sleeping. Listen, it is your person that determines the atmosphere. 
Jesus could call peace be still because he was peace and he was still. There was no way Peter could think peace be still, be still because he was troubled. Sometimes the mess is coming from your bum bum. That stink, that smell is in your bum bum. It's not necessarily people around you. So the, the conductor called her a mad woman. What should she have done? She should have proven to us that she's not mad. But it's like he activated her reality. And then she started to show us that what he said was right. And that's the way some of us are. He provoked me. She provoked me. Listen, they only provoked what you already have. Praise the Lord. If I squeeze orange, mango will never come out. So, Say, ah, I didn't mean to call her a fool, but she provoked me. It's because you were insulting. Fool was always in your heart. Listen, this is where spiritual growth is. Jesus told us that true power is not using power, but ability to determine when to use it. That somebody will slap you and you are so powerful enough to control anger, defeat anger, and turn the right cheek to give the person another chance to do it. Jesus said, Kai, that's powerful. Power is not that you cost the hand and the hand with that. That's not powerful. Jesus said, ability for you to control yourself and not let the circumstance determine your reaction. Jesus says, that is what I call power. So power is not necessarily exercising something without. Power is full coordination of thoughts within. If somebody can determine your response, the person is controlling you, you are not powerful, you were defeated. If what somebody said determine what you said, then you don't have a mind of your own, you are responsive, you are not acting. Do you understand what I'm saying here? So true power is, listen, you must understand who you are and ensure that, listen, you are a spirit. So your character must be consistent. Your character must be consistent. The same response every time. When things were good and Jesus, people were healing Jesus, Jesus was the same guy. When people turned their backs on Jesus, Jesus was the same guy. That's a powerful being. The Bible says, Jesus, having seen that all power in heaven and on earth has been given unto him. What did Jesus do with power? The Bible says he took his God, bent down. To wash the feet of the disciples. Listen, friends, you are not powerful until you are in service. If it is a power from God, then it's a power to enhance people's life. It's not to defeat them or oppress them. God is a family man.
And guess what? God wants so many children. Hallelujah. Do you know why God wants so many children? Because God is not a billionaire. God is not wealthy. God is, ah, I don't know how to say it. That's just what I can come up with. God is, ah, see, I can be worried if I have many children, if I have limited inheritance, hey, but blessed be God. The wealth is endless. The inheritance will reach everybody and will remain. So God is not wanting 1 billion children. God wants all children to be his because what he has to share is too much for all of us. If you take a billion dollar from God's account, he cannot receive an alert. It's nothing. People keep gold in a treasure. They keep gold inside somewhere. The Bible says God used gold for his road in heaven. Hey, you know what God is trying to say? What people keep, I step on. I don't know if you are getting what I'm saying here. That's, that's the family that we belong to, the most prestigious family in all the universe, in all planets, in all galaxies. And so don't give our family bad HR or PR. Don't let people think that this is the way all of us are. Some people have concluded. I remember when I was coming to the US last year, Somebody came to me and said, are you a pastor? I won't lie to you guys, man. I did lie. I said, no. Because right behind me, I heard them talking about um, pastors. Osinachi followed me now. So I had heard them talking about pastors and how much they just manipulate people and steal. Then Osinachi was not telling me, buy pastor and all that. I'm like, oh my God. They would think we're all the same. So when I passed the, the Kinesa, she came to me and said, ah, you are young. Are you a pastor? Omo, see your pastor. I, I said, no, I'm just, <laughs> I just attend the church. Because I was too shy. Because some people are stealing and all pastors are. What if we can change the narrative? Some ladies, listen, some ladies actually even, they have given up on Christian brothers. Brothers, be aiming up your year. Your character is too terrible. You just speak in tongues. That's the only thing you do well. And so some days I've come to even believe that all Christian brothers, they are not serious. People have relegated spiritual values for moral values now. And guess what? Some people are still, they are still working to, to enforce that narrative. You are giving our family bad PR. You are not only destroying your image, you are making it generic. In other words, you are creating more problems. Can you imagine you are a problem creation or a problem creator, which is opposite of what you ought to be. So what we're sharing here is so serious. Listen, some of us are so excited to be in Ecclesia because there is so much love. But listen, that should even worry you that a gathering of believers, you are surprised that people can love you. What should be normal is not appearing to be special. 
that's a problem. That's a huge problem. Because of the truth, we don't see it as family. Praise God. Are you understanding anything tonight? All right. So we are members of God's family. In Luke 8, verse 20 to 21, Luke 8, 20 to 21, Luke 8, 20 to 21, there's a story there, and I'm going to read it to you. And it was told by certain people. They were talking to Jesus. They said, Jesus, your mother and your brethren stand without desiring to see you. Look at what Jesus said in verse 21. And he said unto them, my mother and my brethren are these which hear the word of God and do it. Listen, let me tell you something. Now, this might sound sensitive, but you have to understand this. I would rather take something permanent than choose something temporary. Yes or no? Your earthly siblings are temporary siblings. Listen, when I understood this, it changed my life. Your earthly siblings are temporary siblings. Your permanent siblings, your eternal siblings, is that brother that you don't talk to in church. Listen, you can't tolerate him here. How will you be able to enter where you will see him forever. I don't know how to say that enough. There are some things you confess. You don't know you are putting yourself in trouble. I can never be with this man. I will never be with him. I will never stay near him. That same person is a candidate for heaven and you're saying you don't want to stay with him. So what are you saying? You're saying you want to be in hell because he's not going to be there. Listen, don't ever claim that you understand that God is a father if you don't see Christians as your brothers and sisters. To claim that God is a father and not understand that Christian brothers and Christian sisters are your family members reveals that you don't understand that God is a father. The evidence of the revelation that God is my daddy is that I now have new brothers and sisters. And so, if your earthly siblings are realer siblings to you than your spiritual siblings, your earthly father is a realer father to you than your spiritual father, which is God. That's why you are in problem. <laughs> so when you say daddy, God knows that that daddy is not him. It's your daddy in the parlor. Remember, I told you, if we are prioritizing messages in the body of Christ, the, the message on the family of God, if not the most important after salvation, I don't think there's any other thing more important. Because that's what you were called into. The church is called Ekklesia in the Greek, Ek then Kaleo, called out once. Not call that one. 
when God was calling the children of Israel out of Egypt, he didn't call only Moses. He called two million people. God calls nation. He doesn't call a person. And so you were called out of darkness to come into company of light. So a relegation on the reality of family is as good as jettisoning. Okay, let me show you what I'm saying. So you understand what I'm saying very well. Matthew 25. Look at this. Somebody should read that for us. Dinfna, read for us. Matthew 25. We'll read 35. Just, just go on. I'll tell you when to stop. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mat um, Matthew. From 35. Yes. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to listen, me. Listen, listen, listen. Look at, look at the details of what God is looking out for. Ah, he didn't say, I needed somebody to pray and you prayed. Mm. I needed somebody to fast and you fasted. I needed somebody to preach. It was so basic. Yeah. I was hungry and you gave me meat. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. Listen to what Jesus is saying. Jesus said, you gave me capacity to survive. Listen, wow. this is why it's important to me. When life is saying you gave me life. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes, sir. The life is saying, listen, there was a time you actually gave me the enablement to live. Jesus. Oh. He says, I was hungry and you gave me meat. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. This so basic things, yet so powerful to God. He's not talking about your titan, your offering here. Right. It's not talking about how well you've done your ministry. It's talking about the most basic things. He says, I was naked and you gave me clothes. I was sick and you visited me. That one blew my mind. He didn't say, and you prayed for me. He said, just coming around me when I'm sick is fine. So with God, you did a miracle, not by even healing the sick, but by going to see him. Ah, I don't know if you're understanding anything I'm saying. Just you come in, God saying, mm, that's powerful. He says, I was in prison and you came for me. That is another mind-blowing one. I was in prison. So God is saying, our goodness... Our goodness extends to those that have done wickedness. Guess what? God said, I was in prison. Listen, God can be in a prison. That guy that killed somebody, God said, he's in prison, but I'm in him. Hey, I don't know if you are hearing anything I'm saying today. Imagine looking for God and God didn't say I'm in a palace. God said, I was in prison and you came to see me in prison. So God is saying, don't look too far. I'm not in that big cathedral. Hey, I'm not in that high mountain somewhere where people are shouting, hey, visit us, visit us. God said, I'm in that prison with that guy that has messed up and killed and done so many bad things. 
but he's inviting me to come into his heart. God said, I'm right there. The other space to expect God. Do you know that if Jesus came down today, you will not find him in a church. Listen, Jesus doesn't go where he is needed. I mean, Jesus doesn't go where he is not needed. He goes where he's needed. So I want to think that Jesus might just be in a beer parlor in a club. He goes where he's necessary. He will not be on your altar. He will be in the pew. I want to say that again. He will not be on the altar. He will be in the pew. He goes where he is necessary. So those areas, listen, it's very easy to grow church. The problem is this. We already have a mindset of the kind of people that we want in church. That's why churches are not growing. If you need church members, enter the ghetto. Listen, this is the problem of the body of Christ. Have you seen people that we enter church? And some of us, listen, I've been there before. I've done it. I've seen somebody tattered enter church. And I was like, what's this person doing here? How many of you have done that before? You saw somebody that was just weirdly dressed and you don't even want to sit down beside the person. Listen, you are the one in the wrong place. Hi, hi. That's where the person ought to be. You are the one that they should send out. A tattered life needs a God that can arrange. He is not in a wrong place. You are the one in a wrong place. <laughs> because what you ought to do is to be where he is or where he was and bring in others. He's the one that needs the word. Listen, we're talking about God's family. We're talking about God's family. Praise God. He says, naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer and say, Lord, when, I, when saw we thee hungry and fed thee, or thirsty and gave thee drink, when, when were you a stranger that I took you in or naked and I clothed you? Or when were you sick or in prison and I came? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Hey, listen, friends. He said, And the king shall answer and say unto them. So sometimes a king can be hungry. Ah, I don't know if you are seeing the juice in this parable. A king can be a king, but yet appear hungry. You need to get what I'm saying. Kings are not people that wear crowns they might appear in different manners you have to have the spiritual discernment to identify a king more than his appearance so jesus is describing somebody that is hungry jesus is describing someone that is sick and yet jesus said that that person that is sick was actually the king He says, and the king shall answer and say unto them, verily I say unto you, 
inasmuch as you have done it unto the least of my brethren. Now, this is where family comes in. Jesus doesn't take your benevolence for the body of Christ as helping him. Jesus sees it as doing it unto him. So when Paul was persecuting the church, Jesus didn't say, why are you persecuting my body? Why are you persecuting my people? Jesus said, Paul, Saul, Saul, why are thou persecuting me? The Bible says, whoever is joined with the Lord is one spirit with him. We are actually one with Jesus. You have to understand this. If you slap that Christian brother, you slap God. You have to understand this. You looked at that brother and gossiped and insulted and talked back. You actually were talking about God. A believer is God in body. You have to understand this. It's more serious than people think. Touch not my anointed and do my prophet no harm. The anointed is not the pastor. The anointed is anybody that carries the anointed. Who is the Christ? Every Christian is an anointed that should not be touched. It's a command. Mashi, don't do it. So you looked at somebody. This is a believer. Holy Ghost filled. By the way, some people are only going through, they don't even know. That one is even amazing. I told people, if you want to be filled with the Spirit, come out. And somebody came out. And then I said, okay. As I lay down, she started speaking in tongues. I'm like, ah, you are filled with the Spirit. Why, why am I laying down? You can't speak in tongues. <laughs> my brother, <laughs> go back. <laughs> oh, my God. God will help us. Now, Dinfna, let's let's go on from let's go on from read from 43. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. Mm -hmm. I, <laughs> I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they, will, they also will answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them saying, truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least, one of, the least of these, you did not do it to me. And this will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Listen, Jesus actually talks about how you treat the brethren and equates it. I don't think I should preach anything again. I'll just, I'll just close here. And equates it for a standard for your eternal destination. Is that serious? That's why I said it's so important. Jesus actually says neglecting the need, neglecting expressions of love for a Christian brother or a Christian sister can land you in hell. Now you're saying, Pastor Lakba, I thought we were saved by grace, not of, of, of works, true faith. Guess what? Faith is an expression of the fruit of the spirit called love. You cannot love and not have faith. You cannot have faith and not have love. 
If you have really received the grace of God, the benevolence of God, the forgiveness of God, it becomes easy for you to forgive. So the evidence that you believe that your sins are forgiven to God is that you can forgive others. Did you hear me? Listen, as your pastor, I think I have taught you well enough to understand the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. The evidence that you have received the forgiveness of God is that you can forgive others. The evidence that you have received the kindness of God is that you can show kindness to others. Why? Because the Bible says the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. So when we receive the love of God, we become channels to express that love. When you receive the forgiveness of God, you become a channel to express forgiveness. So the world will not know about forgiveness until you show the world what you have experienced when God forgave your sins. Listen, some of you will train your children and make them so hardened that they will not love the Lord. And I'm warning you now. If any small thing your child does, you flog that child. By the time you start teaching about mercy, the child will not understand. Some of you will teach your children about grace and God is a loving father. By the time he looks at you, because you are the definition of a father that he can see, he can't get that God can be loving. Do you understand anything I'm saying? Because what you are expressing and what you are defining does not make any sense to what you're saying that God can do. I feel like today I'm really shouting because it's so personal. This is so serious. And let me tell you why it's so serious. It's so serious because God laid this impression in my heart some three, four days ago and told me, he said, Dolapo, this must be something you teach at least once every quarter. People have to understand that, listen, I'm about family. One of my greatest fears, and let me tell you why it's, it was laid in my heart. One of my greatest fear was, I was praying, I said, God, the kind of love we're enjoying in Ecclesia, do I pray that people should not join? Oh God, what do I do? Because I don't want this love to end. I don't want this, I don't, I don't want something to come and disturb. You know what God said? He said, I've told you before, you don't pray for love because you have it. You teach about it. You teach about it. So when two people are quarreling, the two people are wrong. Let me say that again. And for leaders here, please pay attention. It will help you a lot. When two people are quarreling, two of them are wrong. If you offended, you are wrong. If you took offense, you are also wrong. The fact that you offended means that you don't have self-control. The fact that you took offense also means that you don't have tolerance. Two of you are lacking in an integral aspect called fruit of the spirit. You are both wrong. So by God's standard, two of you are wrong. One person is no more right. It was him that first slapped me. The person that first slapped and the person that reacted to the slap are both wrong. Two of you are not expressing the nature of God. So when I want to judge matter, I don't say what happened. Mm -mm. 
something happened, I already know. Don't tell me. I open the scriptures, I teach about offense and not taking offense. Two of you will examine yourself and you will know that you need to change if the spirit of God is within you. But people say, well, pastor, I still want to see my mind. The mind that I have been saying all these days, that you know, prophets. I still want to share my, if I don't say it out of my mind like this, ah, no, 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 no. I can't take it. Praise the Lord. Listen, Jesus gave us the key to greatness in this kingdom. He said the least shall be the greatest. Listen, Jesus actually told us to be fighting for who will be least. I will close with this. Let me end with this. I want to read something to you. Um, Dinfna, Shinifa will say, hey, God, now wow. Matthew 11, 11. Read it for us. Matthew 11, 11. I want to, I want to show you something that should stare you. Matthew 11, 11. I'm going to close in seven minutes. Matthew 11, 11. Matthew 11, 11. Mm-hmm. Truly, I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. Yet, the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Thank you very much. So John the Baptist is the greatest born of women, but we, we are not born of women, we are born of God. So we are greater, hallelujah. Now, if John the Baptist, Jesus called John the Baptist the greatest, why? Did you notice something? John the Baptist didn't do any miracle. Did you notice? John the Baptist didn't heal a dick. Let me tell you what is so sad again. John the Baptist didn't prophesy. He only identified. Jesus called him the greatest. So I, you have to check why. There are two reasons. One, you must have heard me say before. He was the one that pointed at Christ. But two, go to John chapter 3. I want to show you something about John. John chapter 3, verse 25. Dinfna, read for us. <laughs> We're going to read it to 30 or 31. John 3, 25. Wait, wait, wait. Let's tell them. Say after me, Dinfna. This. This. Is what Jesus. Is what Jesus. Called greatness. Called greatness. We are about to read. We are about to read. The mentality. The mentality. Of greatness. Of greatness. Or I read. Now a discussion arose between some of John's disciples and a Jew over purification. Verse 26. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you across the Jordan, to whom, who, <clears throat> to whom you bore witness, look, he is baptizing and all are going to him. 27. John answered, a person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given given him from heaven 28 you yourselves bear me witness that i said i am not the christ but i have been sent before him 29 the one who has the bride is the bridegroom Hmm. the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's Ah. voice yes Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, my favorite part. Uh 30. He must increase, but I must decrease. Ah, it's okay. 
Listen, let me tell you what is mind-blowing. He didn't have the Holy Ghost. Jesus told us that he was great according to the flesh. And Jesus told us that the least amongst us is greater than him. So this is a mind of somebody that is not as great as us. He said, they told him, they said, John the Baptist, Jesus has carried all your fans. All your church members are now going to his church. He said, I've told you I'm not the Messiah. If he's collecting something from me, it was never mine. No man can receive anything except to be given from him from above. I was keeping it for him. The owner of the people have come. Listen, he said he must increase. He, he could have stopped there. Then he now said, I must decrease. No, 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 no. If he's not the greatest, then Jesus was lying. Because there's nobody in the scriptures that spoke like that. Only John spoke like that. He said he must increase. I must decrease. Think about this thing. You are praying to God and say, God, I, I thank you because Lamy Day will do better than me in every area of life. Lord, I want to give you all the praise. I'm praying. Share Olaika is better than me. Olaika is greater than me. That's what John just did. John literally prayed himself down and prayed Jesus above. Listen, this is the model of the kingdom. This is the model of the kingdom. The greater we are, the lesser we are. The lesser we are, the greater we are. This is the model of the kingdom. Listen, we are not growing higher. We are going deeper. We are going lower. With God, height is depth. This is the model of the so. This teaching is very fundamental. If you want to be great in your life, this is an instruction. You must prioritize people's well-doing, well-being. Listen, if you don't know how to cheer a Christian brother or a Christian sister, you are already a failure. It's not a curse. Have you seen a team before? Listen, no. Have you seen, okay, Chelsea just luckily won. Um, champion luckily. <laughs> by mistake. It just happened to, they were just happened to enjoy God's benevolence. Hmm. Right? Thank you. It's my message. It's okay. It's my message. <laughs> it's my message. It's lucky. Emphasis on lucky. So Chelsea luckily, listen, when um, the person that scored, scored, see Pastor Ty over here. <laughs> Pity. <laughs> you see that I didn't call you. If you had lost, I would have called you. Okay, okay. Back, we're in the spirits. When, when the goal scorer scored, did you see one of the players sit down on the floor and say, ah, no be me, Scotia. And I've failed in life. Listen, 
if God is blessing your neighbor, is in your neighborhood. Number two, if a Christian brother is doing well, honestly, is your success. We are in the same team. <laughs> Let me tell you something. If when two Christian brothers are quarreling, eh, and somebody won the argument, you know what they just did? They just called an own go. Imagine two defenders are quarreling. Hey, 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 it's me that will clear the ball. It's me that will clear the ball. Then one person finally says, okay, I'll be the one to clear it into the net. And then he clears into the net. I say, I won. I was the one that cleared it. They both lost. Winning a Christian brother is actually scoring an own goal. You are losing by winning. I don't know. That's such a, that's such a, what's it called now? Irony. You are losing by winning. He must increase, but I must decrease. Honestly, guys, this is my this is this is my sincere prayer today. That I don't know, I'm greater than John the Baptist, but I need to have this mind. That that people around me will just be way better than me, and I'll be so comfortable and excited about it. I won't say yay, just because that's what I'm supposed to do. I will sincerely be excited for people's success. Some of us feel very terrible. We wrote an exam and the person, our friend scored more than us. We were not even sad until we saw that our friends did better. You were okay before. Then you now saw that your friend did better. Now you are now sad. Some people are happy being single until their best friend has a boyfriend. Now they are now sad. It's now a problem. You are not failing because others are succeeding. Let me say it again. You are not failing because others are succeeding. Let me say it again. You are not failing because others are succeeding. Because others are succeeding and you are not doing what they are doing doesn't also mean stagnancy. Stagnancy is not that everybody is now moving ahead and me, I'm staying in one place. Stagnancy is that by self-evaluation, I'm not moving forward. It's yourself. You are not comparing with another person. I want to say it again. I'm going to close here. You are not failing because others are succeeding. You have to understand this. So when your friend brings a good news, oh, glory to God, I'm a success. If the benevolence of God can extend to you, that means God is faithful. It will reach my own tongue. And peradventure, it has even happened to you, but you have refused to count your blessings. It's easy to compare yourself with people that have gone ahead. Think about it. Your mates are dying. Some of you are 25, 20, 24. Some of your mates at age 13, they were already giving birth in northern Nigeria. God save you that they brought you here. It have been one of the largest fifth wife. Lamide even looks like themselves. Maybe you'll be the thirteenth wife of one allergy. You are not failing because others are succeeding. Amen. I want us to pray. We're going to pray a consecration prayer. 
We're going to pray a consecration prayer. And do you know what you're going to do? You're going to pray a very weird prayer tonight. You're going to pick somebody here randomly or just look at your screen and pick names. And you're going to pray for their prosperity. When I'm speaking about prosperity, I'm speaking about the prosperity of their soul and everything that concerns them. All the things that you need and you have been trusting God for. You're going to tell God, listen, this is how I want you to say it. God, don't worry about me. Forget. Just, just do it for them. Leave my own. Don't attend to me. Attend to them. I want you to be deliberate. Listen, this is your practicing. I want you to be deliberate. God, you know I need this thing so bad, but listen, I need it badly for them more than for me tonight. And I want you to mean it. Praise Jesus. Are we ready to pray?